Welcome to the Avenue Community Church's podcast. We are a family of Christ followers seeking shalom in Memphis. We pray that you are encouraged by today's message. And as you listen, may the word of God shape you to be more like him. Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger or discipline me in your wrath. Your arrows have pierced me and your hand has come down on me. Because of your wrath, there is no health in my body. There is no soundness in my bones because of my sin. My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. My wounds fester and are loathsome because of my sinful folly. I am bowed down and brought very low. All day long I go about mourning. My back is filled with searing pain. There is no health in my body. I am feeble and utterly crushed. I groan in anguish of heart. All my longings lie open before you, Lord. My sighing is not hidden from you. My heart pounds, my strength fails me, even the light has gone from my eyes. My friends and companions avoid me because of my wounds. My neighbors stay far away. Those who want to kill me set their traps, and those who would harm me talk of my ruin all day long. They scheme and lie. I am like the deaf who cannot hear, like the mute who cannot speak. I have become like one who does not hear, whose mouth can offer no reply. Lord, I wait for you. You will answer, Lord my God. For I said, do not let them gloat or exalt themselves over me when my feet slip, when my feet slip. For I am about to fall and my pain is ever with me. I confess my iniquity. I am troubled by my sin. Many have become my enemies without cause. Those who hate me without reason are numerous. Those who repay my good with evil lodge accusations against me, though I seek only to do what is good. Lord, do not forsake me. Do not be far from me, my God. Come quickly to help me, my Lord and my Savior. This is the word of the Lord. Testing, testing. Good morning, Avenue Community Church. How are we all doing this morning? Praise the Lord. If you do not know me, my name is Sabas Moya. Um, I am the pastoral resident here at the Avenue Avenue Community Church. Um, Before I go into my sermon, I just wanted to give a little sneak peek into my life. Um, Been in Memphis for about six years now. Um, the Lord brought me to study at a Bible college, and in the midst of all that, um, he has worked meticulously um, into leading me to this, to this stage. Um, it's, it's been six years in the works, um, but praise be to God um, and what he's done, I mean, honestly. Um, I am um, from Texas. I'm from this um, little bitty part down south, uh, down south. Past San Antonio, there's a little area called the Rio Grande Valley, about 250 miles of just awesomeness, not going to lie. For those of you who always ask me where to find the best Mexican food, right there. Like, it's it's right there. Um, But yeah, home for me is pretty far. Home for me is 16 hours away, Um, still by like a six-hour plane ride. Um, But yes, before... um, so jumping into um, our reading today, before I wanted to jump into that, I wanted to read um, this paragraph um, from a book uh, called Word of Sacrament by Martin Luther. Um, the psalm today that I'm, I want to talk about um, is the psalm of lament. And I, and I think um, Luther captures what lament is in this paragraph. Um, so it should be on the, on the screen there, and it goes like this. The great Protestant reformer Martin Luther treasured the psalms of lament. Of them he said, 
What is the greatest thing in the Psalms but an earnest speaking amid the storm winds of every kind? Where do you find deeper, more sorrowful, more pitiful words of sadness than in the Psalms of lamentation? There again you look into the hearts of saints, as, in, as into death, yes, as into hell itself. When they speak of fear and hope, they use such words that no painter could depict, that no painter could depict your fear or hope, and no Cicero or other orator has portrayed them, and that they speak these words to God and with God. This, I repeat, is the best thing. This gives the words double earnest and life. Would you pray with me? Lord, um, we just come before you this day, Lord, and I just pray that you open our hearts and you open our minds, Lord, so that we can understand your word, um, so that we can understand this psalm, Lord, the way you want it to be understood, Lord. Um, I just pray for those um, who need this word today, Lord, be with them, guide, guide it, Lord, and massage um, this word into their hearts, Lord, so that they can come and know you, Lord. In the name I pray, amen. So, Psalms is very interesting. I, uh, when in, in, my, in my youth, when I was about 18, um, this psalm was, was like prophesied to me. I know that's a big word here. Um, but, but it was told, it was, I was told to read this psalms. I was told um, God wants you to read this psalm every day. And so for months I read this psalm day after day after day. And I'm not going to lie to you, I never understood it. But um, PT has been training me to preach along with some other fellas. Um, and in that, I chose, he, he let us, what do you guys want to preach about? And there's free reign. So I said, why not? Why not, why not choose Psalms 38, the Psalms that, you know, I've been reading. And so for the past couple months, I've been um, studying the Psalms. And let me just say, it has, um, it very much depicted the season of life that I was in. Um, and it's kind of crazy that now, as I'm standing here, I have such a deep understanding of why I needed the Psalms when it was prophesied to me. So today I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you three points, um, and we're just going to go through these 22 verses. Um, so point number, or sorry, biggest point, um, main idea, main idea of this, of this passage. Here it is. It is, be honest with the Lord and leave it at his footstool. Ultimately, through this passage, David is suffering. Um, he is coming before the Lord. He is repenting before the Lord. And with that, we'll see that not much happens in the end. But it is important for us to come before the Lord. Um, so, again, three points. Uh, my first point being this. When we disobey God, we should be ready for consequences. So, verses 1 and 10 are very, very interesting verses. We'll start with verse 1 and 2 that goes like this. Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger or discipline me in your wrath. Your arrows have pierced me and your hands have come down on me. Very, David starts off very strong. Something is bothering David. God is displeased with David. And what is, and what is God doing? God is, um, sorry, I lost the word. God is uh, disciplining David, he is punishing David, and David, David can feel this. In verse 2, we see, and your hand has come down on me. So what is, uh, what, David, David is struggling with something that, the door, that, that is against the Lord. The Lord is giving him consequences because of it. Here, we see that I found very beautiful um, the, the way that the psalmist depicts um, his, his painful, his, his displeasure. In verse 2 it says, your arrows have pierced me and your hand has come down to me. 
Off the top of my mind, I don't know about y'all, but I've never been pierced by an arrow. I never wished to be pierced by an arrow, if I'm not going to lie. But I understand this feeling. Even though I've never been pierced by an arrow, I know, I'm, I'm assuming none of y'all have been pierced by an arrow. I have been in situations in life that have been um, painful for me. That have, I have I've done a lot of manual labor, labor growing up, and I've been in spots where, you know, I get a splinter, and it's, and it's in there, and you just feel it. And, it's, and, it's, and it's, there's just something, you, you can't get it out, and it's displeasing. And you feel it. The, the smallest thing, you just feel it. And, and so I find it very beautiful the way that David, through the Psalms, communicates. He's communicating um, these simple ideas in just beautiful ways that you and I can ultimately come to um, understand, can come to, like, in a way, just relate with David. Continues with uh, verse 3 to 5. Because of your wrath, there is no health in my body. There is no soundness in my bones because of my sin. My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. My wounds fester and are lonesome because of my sinful folly. Here we get, we, we, we are now, um, we know what's bothering David. We know that David is struggling with his sin. We know that his sin has brought up this displeasure. And as we all know, God is against sin. So if David is sinning, willingly God is going to rebuke him. Because God and sin cannot fit in the same sentence unless God is rebuking it. And that is what we, we are seeing within these five, first five verses. David is sinning. He knows he is sinning. He is coming before the Lord. And the Lord is telling him, David... Don't do that, right? And there's consequences because of that. Verse 6 through 8. I am bowed down before, I am bowed down and brought very low. All day long I go about mourning. My back is filled with searing pain. There is no health in my body. I am feeble and utterly crushed. I grow in anguish of heart. Very powerful verses. I want to start with, with verse 7. I know I'm pretty young. I'm 23. I'm about to be 24. I know I don't have, my body doesn't have the experience as many of y'all in this audience has. But I cannot relate that much with that back pain. I've started to, not going to lie. Every now and then, you know, I sleep wrong and I'm like, I wake up and I'm like, oh, my back. But I know some of y'all have more experience with that type of pain. But that being said, David here is trying to communicate a deeper, a, a deeper message. I think in, in, um, when, I, when I read these verses, they really, hit, they really hit to heart because David here is describing his depression. David here is describing what that feels like. He says, again, I am bowed down, brought very low. All day long I go about mourning. My back is fear, filled with searing pain. There is no health in my body. I am feeble and utterly crushed. I grow in anguish of heart. I think also the, the reason why, why this section stood out to me is that I can relate with it. I've, I've dealt with depression. I'm dealing with depression. Like I, like I said in, the, in, in, in my little bio when I, uh, when I started, originally I'm not from Memphis. I'm from Texas. 
The way I arrived to Memphis was a very miraculous um, story indeed. And um, long story short, in seven days, the Lord, the Lord called me, he showed me, and I answered. In seven days, um, he told me, go to Memphis. And I was like, are you sure? And he was like, yes. And so I packed my bags, I applied for a college, and I left home. I'm the youngest of seven, with my mom and dad were nine. So very overprotected, never really was able to do much without there being somebody over me. But now the Lord was calling me to Memphis. The Lord was saying, go. And I was like, in months previous, I had decided, I'm giving whatever you want me to do, I'm going to do it. And so then I did it. One of the most scariest moves of my life. Memphis, I had no friends. I had no connections. I was coming to a, a small Bible college, uh, my alma mater, Memphis, uh, Mid-South Christian College, where the student population there was less than 20 students. And most of them were international students. So very, very cultural shock, very everything flipped on its head. So I arrived to Memphis. And then I was here about for a year and a half. Started coming to the Avon that time, little, little by little. And then, as we all know, what happened in 2021? COVID. COVID was especially hard for me. I know, I know we all went through it in many different ways because I, didn't, because I didn't have nothing when I came to Memphis. In that one year and a half, I started building something for myself. I started making those friendships. I started making those connections. I started coming, started coming to church here at the Avon, started, you know, meeting people. And it was fantastic. And because I'm the youngest, when COVID hit, my, my oldest brother was like, we bought a plane for you. You're going home. No questions asked. You're out of there. Because if, if, if anything happens, you will have nobody there with you. And so without saying bye to those people I had met, without, literally without, in the, in, the, in the night, I packed my bags, got on a plane with like five people, and I went home. And so in that, in that season of COVID, still, you know, school started to go online. Um, and so then for that, for that remainder of time, I was, I was going to school through Zoom, um, and in 2021, in spring of 2021, I probably went through one of the most difficult times that I've been through. Um, in that time, uh, my dad passed away in a very tragic accident. I was, I was in the middle of my junior year. And so before that, I remember being in Memphis and I remember struggling, but I remember the Lord called me to Memphis, so I am coming. I don't care if I don't have friends. I don't care if I don't have money. He called me here. He wants me here. I'm going to stay here. I left. My dad died. And in the midst of those tribulations, I decided to quit school. I, I, I remember my mom asking me, are you going to continue? And I was like, yeah, maybe, you know. We'll see what happens. But as time progressed, I remember looking back to Memphis and I was like, don't really have much for me going there. Don't really got friends. Don't, don't, don't have family. I started going to this church called the Ave, but like, you know, it was fine. But, you know, nothing really happened. And so then I had nothing, coming for, nothing going for me here. And I decided against, against God. Because, again, God brought me here. Against God, I decided I am not continuing my, my school. That's it. I'm just not going back. I didn't consult 
my family, and I 100% did not consult God. I willingly sinned against him. I willingly said, I am not going back. Months pass, and in those months, looking back at it now, man, I understand what David is going through in verse 6 through 8. I am bowed down and brought very low all day long. I go about mourning. My back is filled with searing pain. There is no health in my body. I am feeble and utterly crushed. I grow in anguish and heart. I understand. And I know some of you in this audience understand what that, what that is like. There came, to, there came a point where I wasn't seeing anybody. But I was barely talking to my family. Even though I was surrounded by them, I wasn't eating. I went around each day groaning and moaning. And I just thought, this is fine, whatever, I'll get past it, I'll get through it. But here, moving forward to verses 9 through 10, David does something. David did something that I didn't do, probably something I should have done. Verses 9 and 10 say, all my longings lie open before you, Lord. My sight is not hidden from you. Again, from this point, David is describing his pain. He is describing to God what is, what is, how he's feeling. And in verses 9 through 10, David now confesses to the Lord, I am before you and this is where I'm at. I ran from the Lord calling me to Memphis. And in that, I found myself... In, in, a, in a troubling time. David, in his troubling time, he is going before the Lord. He is lying before the Lord. He is saying, all my longings lie open before you. David is doing what is against human nature. What is human nature, you might ask? We see what human nature is in Genesis 3.8. What happens after Adam and Eve um, sin against God, after they disobey him? They hide themselves. That's right, Josh. Adam and Eve hide themselves. They don't confess to God. They hide themselves. I hid from God. I ran away from him. But here David is doing something different. He is going against what his body, what his mind, what his emotions are telling him. He is going against the norm. So, second point. Sin can cause physical and emotional difficulties in our lives. Verses 11 through 14 go like this. My friends and companions avoid me. Because of my wounds, my, my neighbors stay far away. Those who want to kill me set their traps. Those who would harm me talk of my ruin. All day long they scheme and lie. I am like the deaf who cannot speak. Like the mute who cannot, like the mute. I am like the deaf who cannot hear. Like the mute who cannot speak. I have become like one who does not hear. Whose mouth offers no reply. Now looking at David, looking at what's going on, he's going through physical difficulties, emotional difficulties, spiritual difficulties, and now it gets cranked up a little bit more. It's not just David, but his family is leaving him. And then we, we get a little bit more. It's not just his family, but his friends are leaving him. And then a little bit more, his neighbors are leaving him. David's support system is leaving him. And so then what happens um, in, in 
Verse 12, now his enemies see that David is bowed down. David is weak. David is being crushed. There's nobody around him, and his enemies now are, this is a perfect time to strike. In the middle of this adversity, in the middle of these tribulations, David is weak, and we can defeat him. This is the time to come at him. I think when, when, I, when, I, when I was thinking about these, this little section, this like, I mean, we all drive a car, and we all have like that speedometer, right? And so then it's like, you know, there's that little section in red. It's like, you know, don't, don't go past that or kind of never get near that. And so I just feel David's life is like racing, right? It's like 20 miles and then 30 miles. And, and eventually, right by this point, David's in the red. David is, hey, this is not a good zone. The boiler is about to explode. Watch out. Caution. This is, this is it's all climaxing to, to this one point. David at this point feels helpless. David feels destroyed. David does not. He just doesn't know what to do, some might say. Just like David, I found myself in this not knowing what to do moment in this, in this, in this part of life. I didn't know what to do. I, I, I quit school. I, I did nothing. It was a season of, of, of very much a lot of darkness. My, my point number three is, even though it might feel that the Lord has abandoned us, he has promised never to leave us. In the end, all we can do is keep relying on him. So before I go into verses 17 to 22, so I was in the season of depression very much, didn't know what to do. And then I got a call from a, from, from a professor. Kind of just talking through it, just kind of talking through what was going on. And then he tells me, well, give me a, give, give me a day. Let me do something. And then, then I'll, hit, I'll hit you back up. A day passed. And then I get a call from the president of my school. I'm like, okay, you know, this is weird. I wonder what, what's going on. And so in that, I'm talking to the to Mr. Larry Griffin, he's Jeremy Griffin's dad. <laughs> and, and Jeremy says, uh, Jeremy, and the president says, we understand what you're going through, and it's okay. If you come back before Saturday, this call was on a Tuesday. If he says, if you come back by, by this weekend, it'll be okay. We'll work with you. And in that moment, it all just came rushing in. The Lord brought me to Memphis. Man, when I, when I say I created my bank account the day before I came to Memphis, my mom generously gave me $200, and that's what, that's what I started my journey with. I had nothing when I came here, and he provided every single thing. He promised me that he was going to take care of me, and I held on to that promise for, for a year and a half, two years. And then... My tribulations, I turned from him. I said, you know what? I don't know. But I get this call. 
He tells me if you want to come back, and in that moment, it all just flushes in. Very adamantly, very openly, very just, I saw, I saw myself like Jonah. Jo- Jonah was called to Nineveh. He didn't want to go. He fled. The Lord was like, well, you're going. And so he, you know, he was forced to go. And what happened? Jonah brought the Lord to, to Nineveh. And so in that time of my life, all that flushed, all that just reigned in. I thought, wow, I really have been running away. I really, I really have been disobedient. He called me and I answered and I told him I was going to live my life for him. But in my darkest time, I told him no. And yet again, he came back to me and he said, I still want you to go to Memphis. And if that for me was not a more slap to the face, I, 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 I told my mom, I was like, hey, I'm leaving again. I don't know what God is doing. I, I don't have friends. I don't have family. I don't have a church. But I'm, I'm, I'm going to go because he is telling me. He brought me here. He took care of me. And I'm believing that he will take care of me. So I bought another plane ticket. I packed my bags again. And I came back. Not knowing where I was going to end up, not knowing what was going to happen, not knowing if, man, I failed that semester. Six out of, uh, four out of six classes flunked. So I was just like, well, you know, I'm probably going to be in college for the next 10 years. Um, but I came back. And that's what we see in verse 15 to 17. David comes back to the Lord. It says, Lord, I wait for you, you will answer, Lord my God. For I said, do not let them gloat or exalt themselves over me when my feet slip. Even though David was in this spiritual depression, even though David was in this physical depression, again, by this point, David is expressing his anguish. He's expressing what's, what's, what's on his shoulders. And what's on his shoulders is his sin, and that is crushing him. It is too heavy of a burden for him to carry. And he knows this, so he's coming before the Lord, and he tells the Lord, Lord, I wait for you, you will answer. And I remember very clearly, I, uh, man, this, man, this, this sermon just speaks a lot. I came back. David, David, feeling this depression, even though David didn't feel it, David clung on to hope. Even though David did not feel the Lord's presence, he said it in faith. David said in faith, Lord, I wait for you. You will answer, Lord, my God. Because David knew that the God that he, was, that he had a relationship with was the God that, that parted the seas, that saved the Israelites. He is the God of promises. He is the God that delivers. And David knew that. David, through his relationship with God, knew that he, he would deliver. And amidst his trials, amidst his tribulations, David knew that he just had to cling on to that. Even though David did not feel him, David knew what he had to do. David, verse 18, I confess my iniquity. I am troubled by my sin. This is a very interesting um, verse because David in uh, previous chapters, as in uh, chapters 21, 1 and 2, here David 
does not confess his sin. He does the quite opposite, which is kind of interesting. David tells the Lord, hey, I'm doing what you told me to do, and so then I'm not sinning. I'm doing your will. Very adamantly, he says, I am, I have a, I'm, I'm not guilty. And so I've never been able to say that to God and be like, hey, you know, I'm not sinning against you. But he very much did. And so instead of doing that, because he has done that in the past, David does the opposite. He, David knows that he is sinning and David confesses it before the Lord. He comes before the Lord and he says, I am doing this, have done this, and it is burden and I'm laying it in front of you. Verse 19 to 20, my, many have become my enemies without cause. Those who, hate me with, those who hate me without reason are numerous. Those who repay my good with evil lodge accusations against me, though I seek only to do what is good. I think we have this, and I know I have this, um, perception or this idea that coming before the Lord will solve your problems in that moment. Like magic, like just uplifting. Reading this, the Lord, David is going through so much. One might even say David is being suffocated. I just imagine David in one spot. He can barely stand. Those who, those who were around him are leaving him. His enemies are, at, are on the horizon and David is seeing them. Sorry, I forgot my point. <laughs> so those, those who are coming before David are, David are seeing him. And so he then confesses to God. He confesses his iniquities. He confesses his sin. But nothing changes. David is still in this spot. His family is not around him. His friends are not around. His neighbors are still not there. His enemies are still coming at him. But David confessed to God. But who's to say that God isn't already acting or has been acting? And David knows this because in the end, verses 21 to 22, David replies with, Lord, do not forsake me. Do not be far from me, my God. Come quickly to help me, my Lord, my Savior. Although David, although his tribulations were not uplifted, although nothing was solved in that moment, David still clinged on to that. He clinged on to that hope. David held on to that. David knew that he had to because nothing else was going to help him. There wasn't going to be anybody around him to, to push him forward. David knew he confessed. David knew he was in the wrong. He came before the Lord. He laid before the Lord openly, and he said, God, this is, this is where I'm at. This is who I am. I have sinned against you, and because of that, I feel your hand being disciplining me, and I can't take it. I need you to help me. It's... it's, it's kind of crazy to think about these, uh, these two last verses because it says um, in verse 21, Lord, do not forsake me. Do not be far 
from me, my God. I, uh, when I was thinking about this, I, I, I started wondering a question that in the midst of tribulations, in the midst of trials, especially the ones that David was going through, I wonder if he didn't feel God. And I wonder if that is what ultimately David was trying to communicate. That because he didn't feel God's presence, all these things were overbearing. And so that's how he ends. David ends by saying, Lord, be not far from me. Because I know if you're near me, I can move forward. Because if I feel your presence, nothing will crush me because nothing can crush you. So I came back to Memphis. And man, what a, what a blessing it has been. David, David repented. I knew I had to repent. David, amidst his trials, nothing changed, but he still went towards the Lord. Amidst my trials, I ran. I repented. And let me just tell you, I came back to Memphis. I had no friends, no family. I found, I found friends. Some of those friends, I would even say, are more, are more like a family. I found something deeper than a family. I even found the church. <laughs> Pretty cool church, not gonna lie. <laughs> but what amazing news we, we can hear through this, through these 22 verses, this story of, of David being faithful in his lament. David hoping, clinging on, clinging on to that hope. I know, I know we don't all. Um, struggle through the same sin, struggle through this. I know we don't all live the same lives, but I know we've all been affected by sin in one way or the other. I know some of you in here may be struggling with that sin. And, and I want to very clearly tell you, you cannot do it on your own. That sin that you are carrying on those shoulders will crush you. It is too overwhelming for David what makes you think that you can carry your own sin? But as PT likes to say, there is good news. There is fantastic news. And that news is that 2,000 years ago, a man named Jesus Christ came to the cross. And he, and he said, I can do this. I can bear those sins for these people. They can't do it. They need me, and I will, I, will, I will take that on me. And he died for you because he cares for you, because he knows that that sin will crush you, because he knows Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, because he knows that that path of sinfulness will lead to death. But he cares for you because he wants to rescue you from that. He wants, to, he wants to pick you up and he wants to hug you. And in doing that, he's pushing away that sin because you cannot do it. That is the good news that we get, that we get from this passage. That is the good news that David is trying to, trying, to, trying to share. That he cannot do it and he relies on the Lord. That you cannot do it. So you ought to rely on the Lord. And the Lord has, the Lord has answered us very clearly. God has answered you.
in the and whatever anybody in this whatever you're going through I can relate to a certain extent I can relate but even farther I know that the Lord is true because he's been true with me and I know he will be true within you I want to say that in the midst of your tribulations be like David and turn to God don't turn into your human to human nature. Don't run away. Don't hide. Because the Lord knows. He wants us. He wants us. What is that main point? He wants us to be. Ah. Sorry. He wants us to be honest with him. He wants us to leave it at his feet. Whether we understand it or that's what he wants us to do. He wants us to communicate to him in such a way that, 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 that we just depend on him. Be like David. Communicate to the Lord. Open your hearts. Open your minds. Let the spirit come in you. And just leave it. Because that is where the Lord will act. When you come before him and you just leave it. Would you pray with me?